From best of San Francisco DDTV, The Pink Chill, and DD LaFrag. Hey, I've only lived in San Francisco for 30-something years. What do I know about it? San. Liberals? Mm. They're sadistic progressives. Francisco. This city is Junkies Incorporated. It's the Junkie Apocalypse. Damn. This ain't your phony soy boy San Francisco. This is the San Francisco Dam Zone. San Francisco Dam is a solo psychodramatic performance art storytelling podcasting platform. Hey everybody, this is San Francisco Dam. I'm Dee Dee LaFrac coming to you from the east side of San Francisco, the Tenderloin. I call it San Francisco's very own Little Hell's Kitchen. Honey, this is the Tenderloin and I am not talking about Tenderloin steak. So, 35 countries all around the world are listening. I appreciate everyone and happy holidays to those of you who celebrated. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus for the rest of us. If I missed your holiday, please forgive me. This is your daily Kvetchathon. Yes, I am Kvetching. I own it. I'm a Kvetcher. I was socialized to be a Kvetcher by Mad Magazine, a bunch of New York satirical Jews writing a satirical comic book that I was reading when I was four and a half. Mad Magazine and Stevie Wonder are my biggest artistic inspirations. So yeah, this is a Kvetchathon for Thursday, December 24th, 2020. Now, let me tell you what Richard did. He had a sociology degree. He left America. He went over to England. He became a acclaimed lighting designer and laser lighting god. He and a guy named Wiggy Wolf. They are credited with helping to bring laser lights to rock and roll. When I got with Richard, we met at the I-Beam. Yeah, Richard and I met at the I-Beam in the 80s. Yeah, whoo. Long time ago, babies, and I still look fabulous. He would talk about being friends with Lou Reed. You know, take a walk on the wild side. Do, 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 do. He was friends with Keith Moon of The Who. He toured with Donna Summer, Cool and the Gang. He met Michael Jackson. He toured with dozens of um, groups. He shot lasers from the Washington Monument. He is an acclaimed lighting designer, laser guy and when we met he was in a bad marriage we were platonic when we met I had a boyfriend when I met Richard but it was love at first sight and I am responsible for him divorcing his abusive second first wife he divorced her yep bum 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 I did that the spunky younger girl and I got Richard into retail I was in retail and I got Richard to cross a picket line, the Emporium Capwell. You guys remember that a long time ago? So he went from rock and roll to retail, and he worked his way up the ladder, good-looking white guy. I gave him uh, tips. I said, Richard, go to work in a tie and a jacket. He started getting uh, promotions. We would laugh about it. He'd get up, smoke a joint, go to work. What? He's dead. I could tell the story. And he worked in San Francisco at the Emporium Capwell, He worked at Target. He worked at, uh, most notably, Ross, the flagship store for that market. 
He worked at HMS Host at the airport, and he worked semi-retired at this place called the Marbles the Brain Store, but he was most proud of his accomplishments retail at Ross Dress for Less Store. So, from rock and roll to retail. San Francisco Damn Daily Truth Bombs. No namby-pamby permission necessary. This show is about Christmas with Richard Lefrac. Many of you listening know Richard Lefrac, and many of you do not. He was my late great husband. He was my artistic co-producer for decades. We were soulmates. He was my best friend. We lived together on and off collectively about 25 or 26 years. Yeah, yes. We would spend Christmas together, uh, New Year's Eve. So I'm going to tell you what we did. And, of course, he is no longer with us. Rest in peace, sweetheart. All right. Typically, we would, on Christmas Eve, go to Scarlet Harlot, also known as Carol Lee's house. Hey, Carol. Her and her mom, Augusta, they would put on a little Christmas Eve thing. We would exchange gifts. We had been doing that for years. And it would be so funny, no matter what time we got there, dinner would be two hours late. Carol, Augusta, you guys know it's true. I would get a little hangry. And when the food came, it was delicious. Lots of gravy, you know, enough meat, enough potatoes, enough vegetables. They set a beautiful table. Beautiful table, nice silverware, nice crystal. It was always enough of everything. Carol's mom is, is Augusta 97 years old now? She's almost going on 100. Good gracious. It was beautiful. And Richard, you know, Richard, whenever Richard would be in a room, everybody was um, calm and happy because no mess happened when Richard was around. He was one of those guys, would, he was real cool, like the New York cool vibe and he had gravitas. He was very manly. He was very protective. No fights ever happened when Richard was around or if they did, he broke them up and he would be going around glad handling, being nice. And he always brought his talking Christmas tree. He had this tree. He loved his Christmas tree. I think I passed it on to somebody because I I looked at that Christmas tree and I just burst out in tears. And the Christmas tree would sing, Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell, da-na-na-na-na-na. And they would say, Happy New Year. And this is a talking Christmas tree. Everyone would crack up. He loved that Christmas tree. Richard was born in New York City, uh, Stony Brook, New York City, uh, New York State. He came from two parents that really took care of their children. His father worked with pharmacies and had some pharmacies, I understand, back in the day, and took care of the children. Uh, My late mother-in-law, she would be a happy woman smoking her cigarettes, dressed very well, beautifully. He looked a lot like his mom, but he had his father's energy. The father was Jewish and the mom was Irish. So Richard was a very protective guy. Um, We always brought a big bag of gifts to Carol and Augusta's house. Now, by the way, Carol Lee, Scarlet Harlot, is a woman coined. uh, She coined the term sex worker. She 
created the term sex worker. So if you talk about your friends as a sex worker, Carol did that back at a seminar in the late 1970s. I was not there. I was not in San Francisco at that time, but she did that. She's also a sexologist. She does film festivals. She's an academic, travels the world. I just wanted to let you guys know who she is. She's been a family friend for quite a long time. And when Richard got sick with the terminal cancer, we, we stopped going, going over there for noon for Christmas Eve. I know this is really hard for me to say. I'm not going to edit anything. I I had to uh, pay homage to Richard because he was such an important part to my of my life. Just talking about this is uh it's psychological. It's it's triggering. He uh, had mesothemiola cancer, so we would go over there to Carol's house on Christmas Eve, and then when he got sick, we stayed in, and he would do his thing on Christmas until he got too weak and he couldn't. On Christmas, this is what he would do. We're allergic to free-range, hyper-allergic control freaks. It's the San Francisco Dam Zone with Didi LaFrac. The man loved to cook. I know how to cook. I never cooked a Christmas meal in all the years I lived with Richard. Never, ever. He he took it very seriously. He bought the turkey. He bought the uh, cranberry uh, sauce. He bought the stuffing. He bought the champagne. He bought the pies. He would put that turkey in. He took everything serious. He based the turkey. He put it in the wee hours. He'd get up and go take care of the turkey. He did that. I mean, can you imagine, ladies? How many of you ladies know a guy who would do something like that? I know how privileged and spoiled that I was to have Richard in my life, and I appreciate it every single day. It was like living with a rock star. I mean, and all women loved Richard. Everybody knows that, that knew Richard. Women loved him. They all had crushes on him. They were all trying to get with him. I feel sorry for the ones who did because he had particular taste. Everybody has particular taste. So on Christmas, he would put up um, stockings, Christmas stockings. He would send Christmas gifts. He'd get on the phone and he'd get on the horn and call everybody that he knew, everybody. Um, and he had this sort of a... a authoritative baritone voice you everybody knows that about Richard his beautiful voice and I could hear him talking to everybody I'm sorry everybody I could hear your conversations because his voice carried and he he would be on the phone for hours talking to people on Christmas calling people checking up on them for hours on Christmas we would have the meal probably around three or four he took it, like I said, he took it seriously. He did all the carving. He did all the serving. He just got off on it. He got off on doing that. And I'm one of those women, I let men be men. I let men be men. I appreciate a protective man. I appreciate a man who wants to do the manly arts. Like some men, Richard was always at the grill. He liked being the grill meister, the turkey meister. He did his thing. We would exchange our gifts. He was into having a Christmas tree. He strung up Christmas lights. He loved elaborately wrapping gifts. It's the San Francisco Dam Zone with Didi LaFrac. Now, I do this podcast, and I will never do this podcast on video. I'm old-fashioned. A podcast is audio. I, if I was doing this podcast right now, you guys would see me wiping tears out of my eyes. 
I will never do a podcast on camera. People uh, contact me. Like I, I did a show where I talk about people contact me and don't even use my, my name and want me to be on their podcast. I haven't done that yet. If you want me to get with you, you've got to show basic human kindness and um, basic manners. I would never do a video podcast. One, it's not a podcast. That's a video. Two, what if I'm in my house coat or I'm crying and like I am now wiping tears out of my eyes? Like, no, no, no. It's always going to be audio for San Francisco Dam. And there would be a, uh, a Christmas tree. It would look beautiful. The floor would be littered with wrapping paper. He he loved buying gifts for people. And um, I'm Richard's second wife. Richard was married to another woman of color. For some reason, he did not uh, date white women. People like what they like. Hey, he was a white guy. He did not date white women. And I, it would be funny being with him. And uh, we'd be walking around or in an elevator go it, all through the years. And the white women just loved him. Oh, my goodness. And he would just look straight ahead. I'm like, Richard. He's like, what? I'm not interested. <laughs> People like what they like. And um, the year before he died, that Christmas, I, I know I have some um, uh, post-traumatic amnesia because if I thought about that Christmas, even a Christmas, the, uh, the year before Richard died, Richard died in the summer, the year before he died. I can't remember what we did because it was so traumatic, um, because the cancer that he had called mesothemiola. One day he's coughing. Well, he was coughing for a couple of weeks. I said, Richard, you got to go to the doctor. He went to the doctor. First, they said he had congestive heart failure. That was a misdiagnosis. Then they said, oh, you have mesothemiola. They gave him a diagnosis of six to nine months. Yeah, can you imagine that? You're coughing, and then they say, oh, you, you have terminal cancer. You're going to die. And, of course, that did not happen. Myself, the oncologist, the circle of family and friends, kept him alive for three summers. Um, I'm still paying for that in many ways. I'm still paying for going through that experience of being a cancer caregiver. I'm still paying for that. I can't even say I would wish that on people that I dislike. That is... Uh, to me, that's like one of the worst things you could do is knowing somebody has a death sentence over their head and you're becoming their emotional backbone, their physical caregiver. Uh, it was tough and some people chose to treat me poorly. Their racism came out. Um, Richard made sure that the people who treated me poorly were not remembered when he died. And I'll just leave it at that. And my memories of the Christmases with Richard, it sort of filled that daddy hole that I have had being a child of divorce with a apathetic father who chose not to participate in his children's lives after the divorce. But this is a common tale in African-American culture. This is what African-American culture hates to talk about. The fatherless epidemic. They we're supposed to just talk about police brutality. We're, everything is not supposed to highlight the fact that we've got seventy five percent of black kids born of parents who are not married, and seventy percent of black homes are ran by black women. We're not supposed to talk about that. So, 
My parents divorced when I was four, four and a half, around the time I got into Mad Magazine. Wow, what a coincidence. And my father never came by for Christmas. My mother did everything. So Christmases for me were like, man, I'm not going to get what I want. I just saw it as another day. I was one of seven, one of the little kids down below. I stayed out of the way. And I didn't think much of Christmas until I got with Richard because he celebrated it unabashedly. And I thank the goddess that he walked the earth and that men like Richard are around today. All right. I'm so grateful to have known him. Well, everybody, that's my Christmas story about Richard LaFrac. I hope it made sense for you. And I'm glad you can't see me right now. Well, you can hear my voice. <sighs> well, everybody, I come to you every day. I love you. Guess what? I'm Didi LaFrac. I trust my vibe. San Francisco damn. That's today's episode of the San Francisco Dam Podcast with sexist womanist bohemian Didi LaFrac. Remember to join us tomorrow for another episode. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. Head over to SanFranciscoDam.com for more sponsorship information. Thank you for subscribing and listening. Hey, everybody who is still listening. I want to sincerely thank all of my supporters on Twitter at the San Francisco Dam page. I'd like to thank my family, my friends, everyone for supporting me starting this new art podcast, this psychological, psychodramatic podcast where I demystify a dystopian San Francisco coming through the lens of a biologically born black woman. That's what this show is all about. A black woman convention about San Francisco and her life. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.